Good morning. Today's Bible reading is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. Um, it can be found on page 1503 on the Bibles, um, in the Bibles on your chairs, or you could follow along from the screen behind me. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance and do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance but after me comes one who's more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing folk is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the shaft with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went out, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Thank you, Rebecca. Get this out of the way. Hasn't it been a great morning already? Lovely day. What a day to celebrate together. Over the next 20 minutes or so, uh, we're going to look at the story of John the Baptist together. It's funny how God works, I think, sometimes. As a church, we've been working our way through Matthew's Gospel now for the last month and a half or so. And a few weeks back, Carrie rang me and she said to me, what's happening at church on the 22nd of April? Do you think it would be a good day to have a baptism? And I 
opened up our planner and had a look to see what passage we were looking at together. And it was this one, John the Baptist. Funny how God works, isn't it, sometimes? Uh, If you picked up your leaflet today as you made your way in, you may like to follow along on the inside of that. There's a little bit of an outline that shows you where I'm going this morning as we look at this story of John the Baptist. Uh, My phone number is also up on the screen behind me. I'll move around a little bit so you can see it. If you have any questions that come out of our talk today or out of the Bible reading that we've just read, feel free to SMS a question in to me and a little later on in our service I'll do my best to try and answer that in a way that's helpful. Otherwise you can catch me a bit later on and ask your questions if you prefer to do it that way. Well, I wonder when was the last time that you went to a wedding? Do you remember if that, at that wedding, perhaps the feeling of anticipation as the bells stopped ringing and the processional music started up? And when the doors at the back of the church swing open and in steps, not the bride, but the bride's maids. They're all made up normally, aren't they? Their hair is immaculate. They look great, and every eye in the building is watching those bridesmaids as they make their way down to the front of the building. It's a great start, isn't it, at a wedding? Every eye on the bridesmaids. But the reality is, is that no one's really there to look at the bridesmaids, are they? They've all come to look at the bride. The bridesmaids simply physically announce the imminent arrival of the bride who's about to come in. Weddings are a great day for bridesmaids, I'm sure, but the day is really about the bride, isn't it? If you're a husband, I don't know if you can remember bridesmaids entering in uh, to your wedding. I've got to be honest, I don't have even the tiniest memory of the bridesmaids making their way in to my wedding. But I can imagine kind of standing at the front of the church. I can remember standing at the front of the church. I can imagine the doors opening and the bridesmaids coming down. They're great women, by the way. Uh, it's not anything against them. But I know what I'm like, and I, can rem- I, I imagine that I would have been standing there thinking, wow, they're coming in. What a sense of relief. <laughs> not because of who the bridesmaids are, but because it meant that Meredith had turned up. She was there. She was really coming. Today we're looking at the story of John the Baptist. And John with his clothes of camel hair and his kind of rough leather belt probably looks about as different to a bridesmaid as you can possibly get. But his role in many ways is similar, isn't it? He comes to prepare, to awaken, to draw attention not to a bride but to God's promised king, to Jesus. He comes announcing the greatest news ever. God's king is here. John's an interesting character, isn't he? I don't know if you kind of picked that up as you look through the Bible reading today. When I think about it, I kind of have this mental picture of John the Baptist as looking something a bit like Costa from Gardening Australia or maybe Hagrid from Harry Potter wild hair and a messy beard. Every time I read it, I wonder, how did he go about eating that honey that it talks about with that messy beard and the hair everywhere? Surely that's a recipe for disaster. It would have been a strange sight, don't you think? 
I think Matthew, our author of this gospel that we're reading today, wants us to think about John the Baptist as a kind of a, a strange man because he wants us to see that he's like the prophets of old. You see, when John the Baptist turns up in history, God had been silent. He hadn't spoken through a prophet for nearly 400 years. The last time he spoke was through Malachi. But now in John the Baptist, God is speaking to the people again. And his message is one of great joy. You know, in this passage, I think, I don't know about you, but for me anyway, I get so captured by the camel suit that John's wearing that I kind of miss sometimes the great news especially for Israel, that their king was coming. This news that John the Baptist is talking about, it's amazing, it's momentous. My kids would say, it's the best thing ever. It was the news that all of Israel had been waiting for. God is saying to Israel through John, I'm going to put things right. Your king is coming. We know this because John quotes from Isaiah chapter 40. It's a wonderful Bible passage. I'd love you to turn back in your Bibles with me to Isaiah chapter 40. You'll find it on page 1,120 of these black Bibles, Isaiah chapter 40. There's a lot going on in the book of Isaiah. As a church, we'll be studying Isaiah a little bit later on this year together. Let me just give you some background information. Some of Israel as a nation, some of their darkest days was when they were held in captivity in a place called Babylon. It was a time in history known as the exile. In that time, the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar had besieged Jerusalem, their main town, and carted off many of the prominent people to Babylon, which is near modern-day Baghdad in Iraq. Jerusalem is destroyed so is the temple. And the Bible tells us that God leaves, he departs. And it happens because of God's judgment. It's a result of Israel's disobedience towards God. That's kind of the context into which Isaiah writes chapter 40. It's the dark days of Israel. God is separate from them. Their temple is destroyed. They're not in the place that they should be in. And Isaiah says this, In chapter 40, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Comfort, comfort my people, says Isaiah. Prepare the way for the Lord. God is coming back. Make a straight path for him, a highway for God to come, driving, so to speak, on his heavenly chariot. In those days of exile, this meant a return to Jerusalem, release from captivity, and the building of a new temple. Here in Matthew, John is using these same words to help us see that the king is coming. This is what Israel was longing for, what they were waiting for. God's king is coming to rule. 
If you've been with us over the last couple of weeks, you've seen that already time and time again in Matthew's Gospel. We saw it in chapter 1 and 2 of, his, of this Gospel. Last week we saw Jesus compared to Herod, and we saw that Jesus is the true king, unlike Herod. And here we have this new prophet, just like the prophets of old, announcing great news that God's king is coming. Comfort, comfort, says Isaiah. It's exactly what Israel was waiting for, yearning for, the coming of their king. I wonder today if you're waiting for something. Are you yearning for something? Perhaps you're waiting for a new job, a new house, maybe a baby to be born. Perhaps you're yearning for a better prognosis with an illness. What are you waiting for today? For the people that Isaiah was writing to, it was a return from exile, from captivity. It was for God to return to be with his people. For the people in Matthew's day, it was waiting for God's king to arrive. And that king, Matthew says, is Jesus. One of this morning, do you know Jesus as a king? Do you know him as God's king? Perhaps you want to know him a little better. He's told us he's coming back. Are you waiting for him? Are you yearning for him? In a passage today, I wonder if you saw it, John's not just saying that the king is here, he's also saying, are you ready for him? He's saying, repent, stop what you're doing. Repent because the kingdom of heaven is near. Do you see that in a passage? If you didn't, we might like to turn back to Matthew and just have a look at verse 2 of chapter 3 of Matthew's Gospel. The King is coming. Get ready for him. See, the people might be waiting for a king, but are they really ready for him to visit? Some of you know this, but I used to be an engineer and I used to work in, a, in an enormous glass manufacturing business. It was a global company. And one day we got word that the the kind of boss of the whole shebang was coming to visit us. We'd had managing directors from Australia and the like come and see us before, but this was the guy that was responsible for the entire worldwide company, the guy who was responsible for the 30-odd thousand people who worked in this business. And so for three weeks, we went about this factory cleaning and painting and tidying and fixing things. The boss was coming. It's a funny story, but on the morning of the visit the two most senior people in the plant that I worked in the manufacturing manager and the plant manager they were fooling around in the main meeting room the one where the big boss was going to come and deliver his presentation and they kind of tripped over they were big blokes the gyprock wall never stood a chance and they fell right through it and this gyprock wall had kind of a hole in the outline of two big guys So there was a frantic scurrying all around the factory to see if we could find two big whiteboards to screw over this hole in the meeting room. We had to put things right because the big boss was coming. It's the same with a king. When the king visits, you get things tidied up, don't you? John was preaching repentance. 
See, when Israel was exiled, when they were sent to Babylon, it was because of their idolatry and their disobedience towards God. And so with the king about to arrive, John is preaching repentance. That is saying sorry to God, acknowledging our need for him. And John marked that spiritual act of saying sorry to God with a physical act that was baptism. We've already seen that today, haven't we? I asked Peter and Carrie and David and Emily before, do you repent of your sins? Is this the way that you're going to raise Rachel? And to mark that occasion, we baptise Rachel. A physical act to demonstrate a spiritual reality. I wonder this morning if you feel like you could do with a, a spiritual tidy up. John goes on to speak to the Pharisees and the Sadducees in this passage. They're the religious leaders of the day about their spiritual condition. He says to them from verse 7, you might like to follow along in your passage. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. Tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. See, for the the Pharisees and the Sadducees, there was a temptation, I think, to think that they were all right with God because of their heritage. Because they were descendants of Abraham. Perhaps they considered it kind of to be a spiritual perk, having Abraham as their great-grandfather. But John's clear with them, isn't he? Having Abraham as your grandfather isn't going to work, John said. When the king comes, you need to be ready. I wonder this morning, are there things that you're trusting in to put you right with God? Perhaps none of us here this morning are trusting in Abraham as our kind of great, 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 great grandfather. Maybe you're relying on being a good person or going to church. Maybe you're the nicest person in your circle of friends. I think nearly all of us recognize at some level that we have a spiritual need. It might be felt more for some than others. But here's the message of the Bible. We all need a spiritual tidy up. All of us. You and me and Peter and Carrie even the local Salvation Army volunteer, none of us can stand before a holy God on our own. It's just not something we can do. We're all broken or blemished. As the Bible puts it, we're all sinful. This is a good news story, though. God sent his son Jesus into the world his righteous king. See, John is running around baptizing people, getting things tidied up for the king, but the truth is, Jesus is the only one who can really make us right with God. That's because he is God's son, the one in whom God is well pleased. He's a king, but he's a king like no other. Because he comes to do the tidying up. He came to serve us. 
He's a king like no other. Well, let me read on in our passage because we see this king showing up in verse 13. Let me read from there. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do, not come, and do you come to me? But Jesus shows up now in Matthew's Gospel for the first time as an adult, and he asks John to baptize him. Is that how a normal king behaves? John's just told us in verse 11 that he's not even worthy to carry Jesus' sandals, and then Jesus turns up asking to be baptized. Strange behavior for a king, isn't it? It's not that John's made a mistake. Jesus is God's king. Yet when he comes, he's just not what we expect. There's no trumpet blast and there's no royal flags flying in the breeze. Rather, he turns up at the Jordan River wanting to be baptized just like each one of us would. And you see, here we have another one of the great themes of the Bible. Jesus identifies with us. Yeah, sure, he's our king, but he's also just like us. And because he's just like us, he can truly help us. It's not what you expect, is it? A king who's just like us? A king who understands his people? But then Jesus is a different sort of king. He's a sort of king who came to save his people from their sins. I wonder today, is this how you know Jesus? As a man who came to serve, as a different sort of king. I wonder if you've ever had the chance to explore what the Bible says about who Jesus is. If you haven't, can I encourage you to have a look? A great way to do that would be uh, to join us uh, as we run a course called Simply Christianity. I've got cards on your seats, they look a little bit like this, or exactly like this. Simply Christianity, we're running on the Monday nights in May. It's a very relaxed course, just an hour and a half or so each Monday night. Good chance to ask questions, there's no judgment. You come as you are and you just learn about this man, Jesus. We do it by working our way through Luke's Gospel together, reading about him and what he's done for us. If you're interested in that, please come and see me after or take one of these cards. There's an email address on the back of the card to let someone in the office know. I'd love you to do that course if you don't know Jesus because he's not only God's King, but he's also God's Son the son that God the Father loves and the son in whom he is well pleased. Earlier today, we said the Apostles' Creed as part of Rachel's baptism. It was the statement of faith that Carrie and Peter and Emily and David assented to. And as a creed, it talks about believing in God the Father and in Jesus Christ and in the Holy Spirit, speaking about the three persons of God. And here at the start of Matthew's Gospel, we see those three persons of God acting together. Let me read to you. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. 
that he is God's very own son. If you're taking notes here, you might like to jot down, he is the king of Psalm 2 and he is the king of Isaiah 42. You can look up those passages a little later on. Matthew tells us that Jesus is God's son, that he's God's chosen king, and yet he's just like us, human and fleshy and real. That means he can save us. That means he's able to bring us into his family, the family of God. That's what God the King came to do, isn't it? The Bible tells us that in order to do that, he would need to give up his own life as a substitute for ours. It will cost him dearly. Makes him even more surprising as a king, doesn't it? That he would give up his life for ours. Today we've celebrated with Rachel, we've celebrated her inclusion into the family of God. That's what baptism kind of signifies, isn't it? The inclusion in the family of God. It's made possible because of this surprising king, this man Jesus who is also God's son. Today we've been reading from the start of Matthew's gospel. I want you to listen to some words that come from the start of John's gospel. This is what John says of Jesus. He says, He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. In other words, Jesus came to the Jews and yet they didn't respond as they should. John goes on to say, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. So we celebrate today with Rachel, isn't it? Her birth as a child of God. And that's only made possible because of this surprising king, this surprising king Jesus who came to save his people. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we have much to give you thanks for, for the life that you have given us, for the good things that you bless us with, for the homes that we live in and the work that we do for our friends and for our family. And Father, we thank you for sending Jesus, your King, a King who is like no other, a King who came to save us from our sins, a King and a Son in whom you are well pleased, a King who died for us to bring us into your family. Amen.